Welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Ellen, and each episode, I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. If you'd like to chat with one of these experts, you can sign up for a free consultation at the link in the description of this episode. Today, we'll hear from Columbia MFA graduate and Genius Prep graduate coach and writing professor at the University of New Haven, Poto Paramita. Poto and I will discuss 11 common college admissions myths and reveal whether they're true or false. Hi, Poto. How are you today? Hi, Ellen. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, uh, you're a frequent guest of the pod, but you have had some life updates since you've last been here. So, you know, give us a background. Tell us what's new with you. Yeah, sure. So in previous podcasts, I've said I'm a graduate of Wellesley College. I studied English and Women's and Gender Studies there. And the new updates are that I've just completed my MFA in Creative Writing and Creative Nonfiction from Columbia. And I am starting a teaching position in a couple of weeks at the University of New Haven. I'll be an adjunct professor teaching first year English. So I'm very excited and nervous, but hopefully it all goes well. And at Ingenious, I am a graduate coach and the digital content specialist. So alongside working with students, I also write content such as blogs and e-resources on the admissions process for our audience. And so you interviewed some of our former admissions officers to get the information for this episode. Could you just tell us some of the schools that they're from? Yeah, yeah. So we've had a few admissions officers weigh in on these different factors. So we had admissions officers from Dartmouth, from Brown, from Johns Hopkins, Bowdoin, UChicago, as well as the University of Michigan, who have uh, lent us their knowledge for these myths. Okay, drum roll. Myth number one, true or false? Legacy students have a better chance of admissions. So what's the consensus? Yes, so our former admissions officer said that this one is true. Many colleges such as MIT have said they don't, but primarily most colleges, especially the elite elite colleges, do look at legacy and they each define legacy very differently. For example, at Princeton, they only consider a student legacy if their parents or step parents attended the school. Some colleges will think about siblings as legacy. Some colleges might consider like aunt or grandparents, but it depends on school. But the consensus is that at many, especially the top and the most selective school, legacy might give you an edge if it's you versus another competitor or a competitive candidate who might have the same stats and then legacy might play that factor. Myth number two, and this is someone or this is something that has come into light uh, probably as of 2019. I'm sure this has always been a myth, but as of 2019, this is a very big cultural conversation with Operation Varsity Blues. And unfortunately, my alma mater, the University of Southern California, yikes. Uh, But true or false, you can buy your way into college. It's false for most of us. So I mean, bribery should never be the case that allows a student into a college. You should definitely, you know, depend on your hard work and your merits to get you in. So colleges do prioritize and very carefully review the applications of people who come from families of big donors. But the big donors are huge donations. For example, Stanford considers families capable of donating $500,000 or more as big donors. Some families think that if they make a gift or donation, their students applying, it will matter. But, you know, like funding entire buildings previously wouldn't really count. So I would say it's false. You should really not depend on this to get you in. And after Varsity Blues, especially like colleges have become more conscientious of who they're letting in, who they're in contact with and things like that. So don't try to repeat that. 
Myth number three is one that we hear a lot from our clients and from potential clients. So true or false, there are stereotypical extracurricular activities that you should avoid. For the most part, this is false if the student is sincerely committed to an activity. You know, some activities like a JV sport or Habitat for Humanity are, you know, made fun of because it's an easy way for students to check off certain boxes. However, if the student is actually passionate about these things, all activities are totally fair. I think what's important is that you explain why this is meaningful to you and, you know, why it's good for you to do, then it will matter and the admissions officers will say that. Having said that, there are some activities and you can get to myth number four for me to discuss those. That's right. And myth number four, true or false, debate and model UN are impressive activities for college. True or false? Right. And this is false. And so a lot of students think that these will really help them with their college applications. I would say mock trial falls in that category as well. But these are extremely common activities. Unless you're able to achieve, you know, unprecedented success in them, they won't necessarily help you stand out very much. So for my students who have debate or model UN, I usually advise them to add them towards the end of their activities list, just so things that they've led and started and have more uniqueness about them shine better. So, you know, a lot of students will have them. And especially if a student has like participated in it moderately and hasn't really led anything, these really won't help you stand out in college applications. Right. And we have a lot of resources you've written in the blog about your activities list and about the order that you list things, et cetera. Myth number five, true or false, a high SAT or ACT score is all you need to get into a top college. Yeah, this is a very popular one and parents and students all really rely on their SAT score, but this is actually false because often we see so many students with perfect, you know, like a 36 on the SAT, ACT or a 1600 on SAT get denied by top schools. That's because so many students do bring these scores and they don't really help you stand out. It just kind of is a metric for, you know, their academic prowess and how they might be able to, you know, work with college academics. But that said, you know, your GPA, your rigor of your classes, your AP scores, these are far more important than the SAT score, or ACT score when it comes to academic numbers. I would say also some students might think that, you know, having 1600 over a 1580 makes a difference, but this is something we call the threshold SAT score. You know, at one point it stops making a difference. So I would say that testing has never been the most critical factor in the college admissions process, especially with test optional becoming more and more common. Admissions officers are paying attention to, you know, you know, other facts, even like activities, academic activities, activities that show why you're fit for a certain program or not into their admissions decision. And, you know, some student schools are even test blind. I would say like the University of California schools don't look at test scores at all. I recently saw that the College of Agriculture and Sciences at Cornell University doesn't consider test scores at all. So really, if you have a weak SAT score and you're concerned, I think if the rest of your application is strong, you should definitely take advantage of the test optional policy because you will look like a really strong applicant. Do you think this is still the case for colleges that are, are like a little less highly ranked? So maybe like schools like 30 through 50 or 50 through 100 um, is a high SAT score more of a factor for these schools? I would say yes and no. Depends really on the student. If the student is excellent all around, and they have a great SAT score, I think that's definitely an advantage. But if you are submitting your SAT score and it's low compared to your GPA, even at a smaller 
school or a lower ranked school or a less selective school, it might give you a disadvantage. But if your score falls within the median range, you should definitely submit it because it's likelier that your low, you know, relatively low score falls within the median range of a less select school than at Harvard or Princeton. Now, myth number six, true or false, colleges consider your family's finances when deciding to admit you. This is true at many colleges, and we call these need-aware schools. So if you give a quick Google, you can find out whether a college's financial aid office is need-blind or need-aware. So need-blind means that the student is considered regardless of their ability to pay for the college. But need-aware means that a college might decide to take a student who's able to pay more rather than a student who's not, you know, who needs more financial aid. It truly depends on each cycle and how much money they have, you know, allotted to their budget for different students in different areas of students, you know, sometimes we've seen that international students get less financial aid than national students or that international students that in their case that a college maybe need aware, but it's need blind for domestic students. So it truly depends on the school, but I would say overall it's true at need aware colleges. I will also say that the most selective colleges, especially the IVs and schools like Stanford, MIT are need blind usually. So a quick Google such as, you know, is Columbia need blind will give you the answer. Myth number seven, true or false, you need a perfect GPA to be admitted to top colleges. No. So like the SAT score one, this is false as well. But I will say the GPA, as you know, we've said, it is more important than the SAT score. But we have definitely seen students with less than the perfect GPA get into top schools. You know, it's not about perfection at all. What the admissions officers want to see is that students are taking the most rigorous and difficult courses available to them. And they've, you know, sustained a level of success. A pluses, A's, these are usually good. And if you've gotten an A minus at some point, what's important is that they see that you've bounced back and you've like tried to pursue this class despite, you know, the difficulties. And I would say, make sure that striving for a perfect GPA does not distract you from developing your interests and pursuing activities where you can actually make an impact because those also do have a factor in deciding whether you get into a strong college or not. I think the inverse of that myth be a lot of students think that if they get one bad grade that they're never going to get into their top college. And for some students, that'll be like, oh, you know, I got a D freshman year. Am I ever going to get into USC or some students that'll even be like, oh, I got like one B. Am I ever going to get into Harvard? So what would you say to those students? Yeah, I would say, again, if it's, you know, in a lower grade, for example, ninth or 10th grade, and you've improved in the subject since, I definitely think there's a shot. But if you maybe have a C in... 11th grade calculus that might be something to reconsider because you know a perfect GPA or a really strong GPA doesn't hurt if you are looking at I would say the top 20 25 colleges your GPA has to be strong because many of the students will be but perfect isn't the necessity right and uh, good grades are especially important like you said junior senior year right and then also in your subject of interest so mm-hmm. if you had a C in calculus and you're applying to be a math major like definitely that would give admissions officers pause yeah. right Right. But if you had a C in calculus in 10th grade and you're trying to be an English major and you had, you know, fives in AP Lang and an A throughout, you know, your high school career in humanities classes, that's definitely good. Talk to your counselor. They'll be able to tell you a lot. Myth number eight, true or false, volunteer experience is a must for college applications. Yeah, this is actually one where our uh, admissions officers didn't have consensus. So some said that this is false, that volunteering is a nice addition to an extracurricular activity list, but it's not required. You know, students have heavy commitments elsewhere and they're like starting companies, doing their own thing uh, and that are 
you know, more impressive than volunteering, admissions officers understand the students only have a certain amount of time to dedicate this outside study, so they might not have time to volunteer. However, you know, other admissions officers from Ivy League schools as well have said that volunteering is one of the ways that you demonstrate that you care about others. So if you don't have any other activity in your resume that shows that altruistic side, you should definitely try volunteering. But like, don't do it just for the sake of, you know, doing it for the college applications. If the opportunity presents itself and you genuinely care about the cause that you're supporting and you're helping, you should do it. And obviously, like, don't, you know, ruin your entire schedule and go, you know, skip activities that are actually unique and help you stand out and go ahead and volunteer. What you should do is like, see if you have the chance to make a difference in your community, or if you can start an activity that can count as volunteering at the same time, but you can also, you know, show your initiative, show that leadership skill. I think that's a good way to combine these things. Yeah, and I would say admissions officers can tell if you're like phoning in any activity, mm-hmm. including volunteering. So if you're just like, doing the bare minimum for uh, NHS or beta, or you're, you know, you're doing like an hour a week, you know, they can tell that that's like, maybe not as impactful for you. Yeah, that's right. They really so, can't tell because, mm-hmm. you know, they've seen so much. So yeah, you they can tell everything. Like you're not getting yeah. anything past them. Yeah, us. you shouldn't try to be too clever. Like they'll know that you haven't spent 52 weeks a year volunteering. Myth number nine, true or false, demonstrated interest is important. This is very true and more and more every year. I would say not at the top 10 or 15 schools because, you know, everyone wants to get into Harvard, everyone wants to go to Princeton. They don't really want to know that your interest in them is authentic. They just know the reputation they carry. But for schools that are like a little different tier, I would say schools like Washington University in St. Louis or top liberal arts colleges such as Williams, Wolsey, Amherst, or uh, schools like Tufts, Northwestern, they do look at demonstrated interest and you can do this in a certain way, you know, demonstrate your interest in certain ways. You can sign up for information sessions, attend these information sessions, go on campus tours, whether that online or offline, take notes, talk to admissions officers who visit your high school, um, you know, seek them out at campus fairs, keep in touch with them. I would also say that if you have a club that you're particularly interested in, you can contact the leader of that club or someone who does outreach um, and talk to them about what that entails, you know, go sit in on a class if that's applicable. Colleges do have days for prospective students where they allow students to visit, stay overnight, attend a class or to. So these are ways that you can show demonstrated interest. And I would give one tip, which is that make sure your Cohen app email address and the email address you use to sign up for these events is consistent because that's how they'll know that this is the same person. I will also say that a great way to do this is through supplemental essay. You can say, when I attended the information session or when I went on campus tour, I was captivated by XYZ in your college and they will know that you've done the research. So colleges track demonstrated interest because they are interested in yield. That is how many students they accept eventually decide to attend the school. So they want that number to be high. So if you decide to you know, show your interest in these XYZ amount of ways, they'll know that you are genuinely interested in their school. and you know, a little bit, it does count towards your admissions chances. Those are really good tips. Mm-hmm. Write that down, students. Um, and from interviewing all the former admissions officers I have, a lot of them have from like Ivy level schools have said, even though demonstrated interest like isn't technically, like it's not one of the things that's like officially valued. Mm-hmm. It does like for some admissions officers, it can help them like decide between two candidates if one candidate right. has really showed a lot of passion for the school. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, no matter what, you should definitely be passionate about school. You shouldn't just say, I want to go to Harvard because it's Harvard and I've seen it in every movie. That's, that's not a reason or, you know, so you should definitely like really do that research, go that extra mile, learn about the school, find out if it's a genuine fit for you. Again, like I said, they know everything. They know if you're just in it for the name or if you are actually interested in their college. So do research, demonstrate that interest no matter what school. Yeah, I go on the company account and I go and I answer people's admissions questions all over the internet, Reddit, TikTok, Facebook, all over the internet. Um, And there was one Reddit thread of someone who wanted, who was like, you know, convince me why I should apply to Northwestern, like give me reasons I can talk about for like school fit. And I was like, oh, buddy, like someone else can't answer that for you. You can't answer that. Like you can, we can't be giving you reasons you want to apply to a school. Like if you don't want to apply to a school, like admissions officers can sniff that out and like a in a second yeah like when I talk to my students about their school list it's so obvious in their voice which school genuinely took their interest and which schools they're feeling meh about and it comes through in your essays too they can read your tone in your essay and then they'll know when you've like copy pasted from the website or whatever for myth number 10 you have to be well-rounded meaning that you need to be excelling in every area No. So this is very common and it is very much false. This was like an old philosophy that was very popular 20 plus years ago. I would say when I was applying to college like 10 years ago, I also thought that you have to be well-rounded, but it's not true at all. Colleges want specialists and people who can excel in one or two areas so that they bring something special to that campus community. Oftentimes colleges have these, you know, quotas where they're like, we want X amount of like neuroscientists or X amounts of people who play the violin. Um, and so if you really perfected that skill and if you've shown that you are you know, able to succeed in that special area, they're likelier to want you because they'll see how you've made an impact in that specific area. So having your activities list kind of grouped by similar activity and having a bunch of activities that are kind of follow that theme that we call application persona and genius, that's what's important. Yeah, like you said, this did used to be true. And I think that's kind of like where the problem lies. I think a lot of right. like parents and teachers give students this advice because it was like true when they were applying to college, even probably like when their oldest child, the older siblings were applying to right. college. So they don't realize that it's just like not accurate advice anymore. And I think it even was true. Like when I was applying to colleges, like you right, said, right. I can remember like when I was in elementary school, I like got one of those like giant like college books. This is pre-internet, I guess. So. Yeah. It was like, it had like profiles for every school. And I was like, oh, like I want to go to Stanford. And my mom was like, you can't go to Stanford. Like you don't play a sport. Like you're not well-rounded enough. And I was like, oh. I was like I'm like eight. I think I have like time to, right. to round it. Right. But yeah, good news. You don't have to play a sport, kids. <laughs> not to get into Stanford. Okay. And myth number 11, true or false, schools you use AI to filter out applications. And AI is artificial intelligence, if you don't know. So I would say this is still false. Human element is very important within the application process, especially at the most selective schools. However, our admissions officers have said that schools use AI for chat functionality or to better serve students before the summer that they enroll. But it seems more prevalent in less selective schools that, you know, a bot is answering your question. Colleges have human admissions officers who are there to really understand the differences in you know, students' activities and understand what makes them special. And, you know, like these essays you're writing, there are talking to humans with feelings and emotions that you are able to evoke when you write your sentences and statements and these, you know, big, bold declarations of who you are, what you want to do. And like humans should be the ones who ultimately decide, you know, what's genuine. And like I said, 
humans can tell that you might be exaggerating something in your application, but I don't know that robots will be able to tell in the same way. They'll be like 52 weeks, great. Um, anyway, not to slander robots because maybe they will take over in the future. I will say that regardless of AI or human, there is some initial evaluation of application strength at the top colleges based on the quantitative side of things, you know, SAT, GPA, AP scores, et cetera. These are things that get you serious consideration. And then colleges will look at the other things that you're doing as they like seriously consider you. For example, if you are being read at Stanford or Harvard and you have a GPA of two, like they'll already know that they're not likely to consider you. Yeah, robots are really scary. I watched the Terminator a lot growing oh, up. Yeah. So I do, I like, I like totally understand your like want to not like slander them because I do think we need to like watch out just in case they take over. Um, but I do think there are like two caveats for this myth. So this myth, we actually, um, it was a comment on one of our TikToks that somebody was asking about. So we went and uh, asked our former admissions officers about this. And they were very clearly like, no, no, like admissions officers definitely don't use AI. But like you said, like they are reading all the applications. But if you do have like a 2.0 GPA and they see that immediately, they're not going to be giving your application like as thorough of like a read and consideration as they would be for a candidate with a 4.0, unfortunately. And that doesn't mean that no one ever gets into Stanford with a 2.0, like under like extraordinary circumstances, maybe, but definitely probably not. Um, and the second consideration would be we talked about in our, in our episode with Heather and Mary, it was a recap of the National Association of College Counseling, the conference from 2021. Uh, they did say actually that AI and admissions was a big topic last year. Um, so there's definitely a lot of interest for how it might be implemented but we're not there yet. And admissions officers are really aware of how AI would kind of like recreate human biases. So that's definitely something that they are probably like hesitant to implement. Right. So it is a big conversation. I feel like often AI wouldn't recognize something that's like harmful or hurtful or controversial in the same way that a human might. So yeah. And all like whenever someone goes and works in an admissions office, they have to go through like bias training so that they can identify their own biases. That's very important, but it's impossible for someone to identify all their biases. So of course, any, any um, AI software that a human is creating is going to reflect that human's biases. So admissions misinformation is really rampant. Um, as the social media manager, I see truly, like I said, I'm on Reddit, I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Etc. And I see, I just see like the craziest, craziest claims. Um, so how can students evaluate the information that they run into online with regards to admissions? And then yeah. how can they find sources that are accurate and that are reliable? Right. So I would say, you know, do your own research. Don't necessarily turn to forums where other people who are curious about the same things have tried to give answers. I would say the most reliable sources are always the official college websites, you know, people who've worked in admissions offices. So, you know, channels like ours, or, you know, if you know someone who has worked at a college, always ask them. And the information is always changing and updating. So to know the latest, you would have to talk to someone who has worked very recently in an admissions office. And if you can't get a hold of them, you can always talk to us. You know, we are available on our social media. We're available through, you know, the comments on our YouTube channel. So you can always ask us because we have that team of admissions officers who have, you know, those connections, who have that experience, who can tell you. Um, I would also say that look through um, current class profiles. You can see the ranges of GPAs and SAT scores that have, you know, the students who have been admitted in the latest class have, and that can really help you get a sense of, you know, if you need a perfect GPA or a perfect SAT score. I think people are just like often hesitant to ask 
the admissions office directly or they don't want to bother like their school counselor they're uncomfortable with that which is understandable but they instead like turn to like these crowdsourcing platforms like reddit or just like people who are like farther away from the source itself but like there's really no reason that you shouldn't be asking your counselor or you shouldn't be asking the admissions office directly unless it's like an aggressively stupid question like don't don't email stanford's admissions office and be like do i have to know how to read yeah that's like a dumb example i can't say as someone who hasn't answered admissions questions it helps if your question is a little bit broad and applies to multiple people rather than giving your entire stats and saying oh do i have a chance at stanford no it shouldn't be like that you should say oh does stanford accept students who have had you know slightly lower pas or something more general so it can apply to multiple cases yeah i'd say like a good rule is that the admissions office is always the best resource for like school specific questions if you have a question about whether you need to take like your fourth year of Spanish to get into Stanford or whether it's going to like hurt your admissions chances like contact the Stanford admissions office if you have a question about like whether or not you need to take physics senior year to get into like a top college like go talk to your college counselor because um, they work at your school they've seen all your classmates profiles all the people who've come before you they're the most familiar with what your school offers and like comparatively like how other students at your school are doing or have done what schools they've gotten into and yeah just um these adults like they're here to help like their counselors or their admissions officers because they like that job um so they do want to help you as long as you're not annoying last year i actually emailed your school um usc about how applications are read at the different colleges within the campus because I was confused what my students should put at first choice major versus second choice major because they were at two different schools and they replied within like 24 hours and was extremely helpful and said you know if you need anything else don't hesitate to contact me so chances are they're really nice especially if luck is on your side and you catch them on a good day and don't be afraid to follow up either um adults are really busy we get a lot of emails so 99% sure like it's someone doesn't respond to your email it's not because like they're mad at you they don't hate you they didn't think it was a stupid question they just probably like they saw your email they were going to respond and then they went to lunch and then they forgot their inbox is super full so if you don't get a response like just you know send a polite follow-up hi like hope you're doing well i'm sure you're busy with xyz season um i just wanted to follow up on my email i was hoping i could receive a response to you thank you for your time etc well we always like to end these episodes um just asking about like additional words of wisdom. Um, You've been on so many episodes, so you've shared a lot of wisdom. Um, But is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything you're really feeling this month, words of wisdom for your students? Well, if you think something is a myth and it's ridiculous, it's probably a myth and it's ridiculous. I think don't be hesitant to judge your own sense of, you know, common sense as well. And the internet does have a lot of opinion, but just go to the official sources. One more thing I remembered is that if you go on a campus tour, you can always ask the student who's giving you the tour some questions about the official admissions process, because, you know, they might be less intimidating to you than a real adult. And they are serving as the liaison between the student body and the admissions process and might often know things about being a student at that college that the admissions office might not even know. So don't forget to like utilize your um, resources. Anyone is your friend and they're there to help you. That's literally their job. Thank you so much for joining us today, Poto. I'm sure our listeners appreciate your insight into college admissions myths and misconceptions. For more information, check out our blog linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, go ahead and give us a follow and send us a message on social media with the hashtag Inside Admissions. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.